You're listening to the Reversing Climate Change podcast by the team at Nori, the carbon removal marketplace. This is a show about the innovators and entrepreneurs developing solutions to climate change. Hello and welcome to the Reversing Climate Change podcast with Nori. I'm Ross Kenyon. I'm one of the co-founders of Nori and the creative editor there today. Jada Dormeyer, supply account manager, returns to the show. Number two, right, Jada? Number two. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm we did. Soon. <laughs> yeah, we did that biochar show, which was super fun, and as I said, minorly traumatizing. How many attempts it took, but you were so <laughs> persistent in making it. So thanks for your help. Yeah, and then first time for you, Laura Sakowski, product manager for supply at Nori. Hey, Laura. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, happy to have you. Always happy to have a new person on the podcast. I think the work that you do is super interesting. And you've been quite involved in working with Nori's partnership with Bushel. Uh, And we have Dane Braun here, VP of product at Bushel. Hey, Dane. Hey, everyone. I think this is my second podcast ever in my life. So, Wow. What was the first one? It was a group out of Nebraska. I think it was a couple of students, actually. And I think it was University of Nebraska, if I recall correctly. Wow. Did it go well? Did everyone well, was happy? Yeah. They haven't invited me back, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, They're busy people, well. Dane. Don't take it personally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we want to talk about our work together, why Nori is working with Bushel and, and vice versa. Maybe a good place to start though, Dane, is what exactly is Bushel? What do y'all do? Yeah. So Bushel is is a software company focused in agriculture. We are building technology to digitize the infrastructure for grain in in the U.S. and and North America and ultimately the world is is the plan. But you know the goal is digitize the grain flow throughout agriculture, be that digital infrastructure. There's amazing physical infrastructure in the U.S. that's in use today through grain elevators. You think of the railways that we have, the road system. How can we digitize the data that's flowing between every party within the system is what we're focused on. And also digitizing the money movement between players in the system too. So money movement and data movement. Ultimately, we want to make those two move faster than they are today. Right now, grain, the physical grain actually moves quicker. And so, you know, we're focused on the data side of the money movement and really helping grain buyers and farmers throughout the supply chain, just helping them with understanding their business and working better together. Wait, how is it possible that something that is heavy and cumbersome to move moves faster than digital assets? How could that be possible? Uh, I think that's the question I asked you. <laughs> you know, the train, uh, speaking of the trains going by right now, I can see the grain moving. The grain, you know, just flows. It seems to flow easier between between entities. We made it so you know, I've been to, I guess, I've been to, in, in comparison, I've been to Brazil. I actually have some family there and spent some time there. And, you know, the infrastructure is just way different than it is to the US. Things take days to move the physical infrastructure, even. And here we have, you know, amazing, if you really think of it, like we've invested a lot in the physical infrastructure with our interstate system, our, our rail system. Like it just makes it easy to move the physical goods. But we haven't invested as much in the digital side. Data still takes a while. It's emailed back and forth. If you're lucky, maybe it's USPS mail service moving the data back and forth. Like that takes days and that can be take longer than the actual grain movement today. 
I think that's a great introduction to what Bushel is and the problems that you're thinking about. Where does Nori enter into this? Does it make more sense to start with Bushel's interest in Nori or Nori's interest in Bushel? Which which side should go first to explain this to listeners best? So I think at Nori, where really one of our big pain points is the lack of digitization in the agriculture space. And it can take longer than a growing season for us to be able to aggregate all the farmers' data, to be able to run our model and predict how much carbon the farmers are sequestering. So I think, how do you view what you guys are trying to push forward in terms of digitization in the agriculture space to kind of be mutually beneficial for both farmers, Nori, and Bushel? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, so our business is really focused on, you know, from farmer all the way to CPG, how can we connect the data points and and provide value? Uh, We really take an agnostic approach. So we try to help the users of our product, like the farmers, the grain elevators, ethanol plants, if they have programs that they want to enter into, or if they have yeah, programs like sustainability programs, carbon programs, or it could just be like identity preservation programs. How can we help them with the digital data side of that, make it easier so that, you know, the ability for them to do it is easier. So it takes less motivation. If you have ever like followed the fog behavior model or ever read about it, it's kind of like an inverse of motivation and ability. And so when things are hard to do, you need to be able to have high motivation in order for something to actually happen. But in the inverse, when things are easy to do, like our connection between Bushel and Nori, then it takes less motivation to actually do it. So the goal is really, you know, how can we make it easier so it takes less motivation and get more people to sign up for programs that they are interested in, like Nori. Awesome. And I think like something pulling from that, making it easier for enrolling in these programs and then also kind of thinking about operations. And like right now we're seeing really high input costs for farms and that's kind of drastically changing over this past year. And and thinking about like how farmers are trying to maintain profitability and the uncertainty. And I think that digitization plays a big role in that in terms of making it easier to kind of find these programs and enroll in these programs and just understand. So kind of how do you view Bushel and Nori working together to kind of reduce input cost and help farmers maintain and grow their profitability? So I grew up on a farm in Minnesota here. And so it's always like, let's get back to the basics and like, what what do the numbers say? as we are planning for our next year. And and uh, farm logs is a great place to start. So farm logs we acquired, Bushel acquired uh, about 18 months ago. And so that's our farm management system that is connected with Nori. Uh, so starting in farm logs, you can really like understand what is your business sitting at for this year, but also start planning for next year. So what are my input costs as you're saying they are going up, but also, you know, what are my revenue opportunities, both from you know, selling the commodity, but also like what are other programs like Nori that I can sign up for in order to generate additional revenue 
for my farm and how can I make these books balance? I think that's where our, you know, connection really helps is like, we, we kind of understand the, the, what's happening at the business side, the profit and loss. And we're really automating a lot of that stuff with machine data coming in through climate and John Deere. And also we're automating on the revenue side with grain contracts coming in. Now it kind of gives you an idea, the farmer, an idea of where am I sitting? How am I doing? And then, you know, it's pretty quickly to see, oh, what other programs are available? Oh, Nori's available. There's additional dollars here that, you know, I could sign up for. Oh, and it's easy to do because they have a connection. I don't need to fill out all this paperwork because I can just send that data over through the connection that we've built together to make that happen a lot easier. So I think that's where our real, you know, partnership works in this case. I'll just jump in really quick and just let people know how the Nori program works a little bit to explain what is easier about the partnership with Bushel. So typically when we enroll farmers, we ask them for boundary files and 30 years of data from 2000 and we project it all the way to 2030. And so obviously there's a ton of information that goes into that asking about what was planted, their tillage information and all sorts of other things. And so the partnership with Bushel allows us for farm logs users to let us know that they want to enroll and Bushel will send us their boundary files, which typically takes one of the longest amounts of time to get. We have to convert them to a GeoJSON file. Not that anyone knows what that is, but we'll get shape files typically and convert it. And so Bushel does that work for us. And so some of the most time consuming pieces of this are taken from the information that farmers are giving to Bushel. And then they give it to Nori and we are able to put it in a little bit quicker and get projections faster. That sounds like a valuable integration then. I'm wondering how many integrations do farmers face here, Dana? Do they have a whole suite of apps on their phone that they're expected to keep up with? Is it like every day I get pitched some new SaaS product and my life (laughs) is just how many of these platforms am I expected to know about and keep up with? Is it, is it similar in parallel for farmers or what's it like for them on the, the digital world in that yeah. intersection? That's a good question. It, it definitely can be a lot to, to chew through and, and select. But generally, you know, you're going to have a farm management software that if you choose to use, you're going to use that or good old Google spreadsheet as another or Excel spreadsheet, I guess. But yeah, there's a lot of applications farm management software, there's the machinery software, and then that's just on your device. And then you get into the actual cab and you may have displays with different softwares and and you might have one for your rate controller on your chemical applications, but a different one on your planter. So there's like problem in agriculture is there's a lot of like divergent systems. And there's some companies like Leaf, for example, is a company we use that is really trying to connect on their focus on the machinery data, start to, to normalize the machinery data and standardize it. And that's too what Farmlox is doing. Like we're, we're bringing in the standardized data from, from leaf and we're also including making it easier for farmers to add additional data points to it. So we can have like a holistic picture of, of the farm and provide that to partners like yourself. So you have a complete picture and we're at Bushel trying to do that on the grain side. There's, Farmers have to have the hard choice of what application and tools and color equipment to run. Well, on the on the grain elevator side, they're making, or grain buyer side, they're making decisions what ERP to run. There's we're interconnected with we're connected with 14 different accounting softwares or ERPs, enterprise resource planning tools. 
they are trying to make the choice. What should I use? And so there's kind of like all these like systems floating around, I feel like that we're trying to connect and, and same with others in the industry. And I think that's really key in agriculture. If we want to move the needle, we need to really like be able to standardize and connect these data points, both for like carbon programs, for identity preservation programs, and just normal standard operating procedures within within agriculture. Yeah, I think it's so cool that you guys are working to aggregate the historical data and then also what people are doing now from so many different sources, because ultimately that's going to provide a decision-making tool for the farmer and have them be able to better gauge profitability and just give them better data as to like, is no-till right for this field or should I experiment with cover crops instead? So I feel like there's so many so many use cases with that data organization and aggregation that you all are doing. Definitely. And with the data standardization comes the innovation. Like once you have this stuff standardized, I, it's hard to even imagine what is possible because even just some ideas of like, okay, let's connect some of the, maybe in a mass balance side style, like what applications happen to this grain that I can bundle together that then moves through the supply chain. And actually, actually I can see it, make it all the way to a general mills, a Cargill, the end user, like even at a mass balance scale, it gets interesting if you have the data available to do that. Sort of amazing that data can even point you in that direction. Are you just able to draw from so much, well, there's historical data that you have access to, but then also is it peer farmers in similar climates that you're able to judge their data from having implemented practices earlier than the farmer using the app trying to determine whether they should implement regenerative practices? Is that how you advise on something like that or is it different? We probably don't get to that detail just yet, Ross. I think we're mm. you know, very much just you know, focused on on the farmer's uh, activities that they're doing, what spraying activities they're doing, planting, when they're doing them, the field boundaries, and then also their grain sales. So understanding what they've sold and when, and really actually helping them understand those those pieces. I think, you know, a next level further is like getting into deeper into what practices are you doing more specifically as you're, as you're pointing out. We do collect some of those, but like not into the detail that maybe we would want for future programs. But yeah, getting that level of information kind of at a field level at the very least. And I'm just talking about imagining the future here, not saying Bushel has this or Farmlongs has this figured out. But imagine like at the field level, you have all these activities and applications that happened and you connect that to the actual grain scale ticket, the data. And now you can start seeing that flow through the system, the egg system at at least a mass balance scale. So if you are looking for certain qualities of grain or certain practices that happen at the field level, maybe it's maybe it's no-till, maybe it's strip-till. Like, could you at least document that if I'm a grain buyer and see, oh, okay, I got 40% of my corn came from no-till practices and I can connect it to the field level just because I've connected field level data through bushel and farm logs to the farmer did and to the actual scale ticket. Yeah, and it creates that traceability that a lot of CPG and consumers are maybe looking for. But yeah, I think that's great. And ultimately, I think that's going to provide more market opportunities for farmers and also kind of incentivize further these different practices that are sequestering 
carbon. I'm curious if we could get an overview of the grain industry, the grain market. One of the narratives that I think is pretty common, it goes back at least to the Earl Butts days of the get big or get out and farmers being squeezed on inputs and falling prices. Well, now there's not falling prices, of course, especially not for grain. But the market gets described as being monopsonistic, that there's like only a few buyers and they're big aggregators. Is this is this even a true narrative? Surely the story of farming is probably like a lot richer than I describe. I think people use that narrative because it's very at hand. Well, I would disagree on the the buyer aspect. There are quite a few buyers here for the grain. And then also with the futures market, there are a lot of people, even speculators, which are healthy in the system, can both speculate on is the grain going up or down. So I wouldn't uh, hold that one to be true that there's not enough buyers. I think farmers, yeah, like there is, I mean, let's be honest, there's less farmers every year. That's been going on for hundreds of years or hundred, hundred plus years at least. But I think like as more of these specializations that come available and any preservation programs like Nori uh, and others in, in this space, like that gives some opportunity for farmers to the next generation to maybe stick around longer. And like there, there is, that's what excites me, I guess. And excites me too of like, you know, our technology that we're providing just at its base core has helped the farmer understand their profitability. And if we can do that, that hopefully helps more people, you know, stick around in farming longer at the very least, or at least pass it along to the next generation if they so choose. So I, I think we're, yes, it's going, it's, I'd agree, Ross, like it, you know, things get pinched over time. It's a pure economy where we have tons of buyers and tons of sellers. And so it's going to come to some equilibrium and it's going to keep kind of trending down, but we can help slow it down and also help bring other opportunities for some farmers that maybe didn't have that opportunity or even some farmers starting out, smaller farmers that want want the opportunity. So creating opportunities for farmers to specialize by tracing their products through the supply chain so that they can differentiate and they aren't just selling into this commodity market or they're selling into a more differentiated commodity market. It sounds like something that you view as potential in the future, maybe even in the near future. Am I understanding you? Yeah, right? I would yeah. say, I mean, we're already seeing that. I don't think we will ever get rid of commodities per se. I think they are here for the long haul, but I think there's going to be more opportunities to differentiate our farm does identity preservation of soybeans that ultimately get shipped in containers and exported to Asia for for consumers. And so they can track it all the way down to a container of soybeans all the way down to the farm level. It's kind of cool. I mean, we benefit, we get a premium, we have lower yields and out of that commodity, but we get a premium out of it. We got to do a few extra steps in the process, which is all just like Signing up for a, for a program like Nori's, you may have to do some extra steps, but you also get a benefit from it. So it's just evaluating what makes sense for you as a farmer. And I think that's where this partnership really helps and works, right? Like farm logs, you can evaluate your profit and loss. You can evaluate how you're doing. Maybe I should just, you know, I'm doing really well in, in the space I'm at, or maybe I should be exploring other programs for additional revenue like Nori. And then once I make that decision, it's a easy connection. That's what I love about this. Like, let's make this so easy that it takes less of motivation in order to make it happen. Yeah, exactly. And I think one of the things I really like about Bushel and Nori is that 
it supports both small and large farms. And I think you see very different decision-making patterns among the different sizes of farms. And often you're seeing those large farms with more capital, more flexibility and practice experimentation. So I think they're often the ones to adopt these conservation practices sooner and more aggressively than smaller farms. But both Bushel and Nori are supporting all sizes of farms. So it kind of allows a financial payment to these smaller farms to be able to to think and experiment a little bit more with these practices that hopefully can increase profitability in the long run. Would you agree, Dane? Yeah, I agree. Like it, it's it makes sense for both large and small farm. I, I don't think we're picky. <laughs> I think if we're agnostic in your size, and you know, maybe a large farmer will just try a certain acres to sign up, or maybe they sign everything up. Yeah, so I don't think we're we're picky on it. Dane, can you talk about like what kind of farmers are you guys working with at Bushel? So I was just reading an article that was saying that the average age of farmer is sixty, and is increasing. I don't know if we have to. I'm I'm, awesome. I'm laughing, but um, I'm laughing because my dad's maybe he's above that age. So yes, <laughs> my dad too, and I'm also from a farm. What kind of farmers are you guys working with? Do you see that older farmers are not using this tool, or what's your demographic? Yeah, that's a great question. I think to your point, the average age is you know what sixty? Did you say fifty-eight, yeah, 60, sixty, somewhere around sixty now? So. We've seen a lot of actually adoption at, at all ages, to be honest. I think the goal with technology needs to be, especially in agriculture, has to be like simple, intuitive, and actually valuable. There's been a lot of technology out there that maybe wasn't easy to use, but also maybe it wasn't very valuable. And so what we've really strived to do is like those two things, keep it simple. Because if you think of it, a farmer has so much technology, I, we were talking about it earlier, they have all this equipment in their tractors, they have all this software on their computer and they're like using it for maybe just a few weeks out of the year. Like you're planting just a few weeks out of the year. How do you remember how that thing works? You know, we're using our, we work for a technology company here. We, we use our Mac every day. We know exactly how it works and all the tips and hints and everything. But for a farmer, like who's bouncing between equipment and software it has to be simple. It's gotta be easy to use for them because they're, so adopting so much technology. And then it's also going to provide value. That's key too. So with Bushel, you know, we're always focused on how is this value for the users and also value for the customer. And sometimes they're the same people, sometimes they're different. How do we provide value through farm logs too? Like how do they just get value out of using the product and understand their business better and make better decisions? So that was probably a long-winded answer to your demographics question. You asked who are the demographics and I went on a long-winded answer. But my point is, like, I think it's very diverse. We have a lot of farmers in different ages. And then I would say from like a farm size, we probably mostly are probably, you know, 250 acres plus is probably our farm size just for our demographics that we have. Okay. And can we just talk about the state of farming right now? Can you tell us what you're thinking about it? Laura mentioned like the uncertainty, the input costs are rising. There's just a lot going on. Can you speak to that a little bit? The state of agriculture, it's definitely an interesting time. And there's some, you know, outside forces at play, right? With the war in Ukraine and Russia. 
I think it's it's definitely an interesting time. Like you're seeing expenses increase, but you're also seeing commodity prices. Well, they have been increasing. They're still still up there to really balance that out. It'll be interesting to see just what the yield reports come out to be too, and and how people did this year and the revenue and going into next year. I think I'm still bullish. I'm still bullish on. I'm always probably bullish on agriculture. That's probably a bias I have to be honest. So. That's why I'm thinking about Jada. Thanks. I'm from a farming family too. And so, and actually my dad is an alfalfa farmer. And so I think that sometimes you have to be optimistic about farming because you don't really know what's coming with the weather. You can, oh, you yeah. can there's like the wars already causing some effects, but there's also weather. There's all sorts of other things. There's speculators and commodities and all those things. There's so money prices, there's expenses, there's interest is rising right now. So the interest for lines of credit is going to go up. So there's a lot of, I guess, headwinds in some areas, but commodity prices are also strong. And, you know, U.S. agriculture is pretty resilient overall as well. Yeah. I think people don't realize how risky it is though. So I, I like that you're talking about this. Yeah. And I think to diversify risk, actually, that's a good point. Like to diversify risk, you look for other programs, plug, plug here for Nori to diversify your, your risk and, you know, make sure, Hey, okay. If I do these things, I get a certain return and get some revenue. Right. So that's, that's how you can yeah diversify your risk in your operation. Yeah. And we actually like make a parallel between the grain market and our token that we'll be launching soon. What do you think about Nori creating a token to pay for carbon credits? Well, here's my plug for Bushel Wallet. I, I hope the token shows up in Bushel Wallet so the farmer can easily move it and cash it if they want. Cool. Make that happen. Well, that would be awesome. Yeah. Put it on the road. <laughs> That's on our roadmap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not promising anything. <laughs> I guess the big, the big goal of the token is price discovery and think, kind of thinking of it as a commodity. And I know this last year at the USDA now recognizes carbon, soil carbon as a commodity, which is, I think, a big step forward in this market. But we draw some parallels between like how grain is priced in a commodity and like how we want our token to be thought of. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that'd be great. It kind of gives us the opportunity for farmers to decide, okay, do I sit on this token and wait for a better price? Or is this a good price now? probably, you know, bring some discoverability in the true price of, of the token. Mm-hmm. Farmers are used to, to doing this, right? They have their silo. They're waiting for a good price at the elevator before they bring their produce over. Right. Or, or they, or they're just using like the futures markets to, to change that price in some other financial way. All of the above, yep. All the the above. Futures market, you can cash, you can sell your grain forward, you know, up to two years sometimes in the market, even to the grain buyer. So you can forward contract, you can sit on it, you can do all the above. I think sometimes we make it seem a little bit more complicated when we when we say cryptocurrency and people are like, wait a minute, I don't know what that is. But if we can relate it to something that farmers know, it makes a lot more sense. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, so we're talking a lot about the benefits of digitizing the crop event data for largely sustainability and carbon payments. But what are some other areas that you're excited about in the ag digitization space? Yeah, I think I, I alluded 
alluded to it, it's somewhat even just like standard operating procedures, <laughs> the basics. Can we make money move a little faster than, than you know, two weeks check payment? Can we, can we actually settle grain quicker because we can move scale ticket data digitally? So there's like a speed, velocity, and ease that I'm, I know it really sounds boring, but it's also exciting. Like as a farmer, I, I dream of this state and maybe it's a crazy dream, but I literally drop off my load of grain. And if I want to get paid right there, I get paid. That doesn't necessarily happen today because there's these, all these standard operating procedures that take time, that take paper. Can we just get rid of some paper? I mean, I know that's really, <laughs> really sounds dumb, but there's a lot of paper. Can we, <laughs> can we do that? And Excel spreadsheets. Can we get rid of those? Yeah, yeah. Can we get rid of some spreadsheets? That'd be amazing too. We would love that. Let's get rid of that. <laughs> yeah. But, but it, I mean, I, I'm being really stupid, but that, I mean, that, that, or cartoonish, but that's true. Like I, I do, you know, there's some standard operating procedures of egg that could definitely be improved and made easier. And then I think even just there's some actions that are happening. Like, can, can I sell my grain to a grain buyer? anytime at any day and night. And that is something that Bushel allows allows farmers to do through Bushel trade. And instead of like having to make that phone call every time to like sell the grain, can I like can we get a little yeah more more proactive, more digital in that space as well. Cool. Yeah, I think just I agree getting that digitization is gonna lead to so many new paths forward in terms of payment and enrolling in these other programs. Yes. Like, I honestly, like, I, I am so excited about standardizing data and I know it probably sounds crazy. What a sentence. Wow. Okay. What a, what a sentence right there because it breeds so much innovation and I can't even imagine the innovation it can breed. Think about, imagine if we didn't digitize and standardize banking data and connecting to bank accounts. Do you think Robinhood would exist today? I don't know. I don't think so. No, It'd be a pain not. to set up. So I think that's where it gets exciting. Like, I don't even know the innovation in agriculture. You guys are innovating. You're on the forefront. You're building, you know, an, a Nori carbon program and you have the token, like you're you're on the bleeding edge of programs, which is awesome. And what other things could come available that aren't even maybe in this space, in the carbon and sustainability space? I don't even know that answer. That's what excites me about it though, too. I love that too. And one of the things that you said, I think you even said it more than than once, and I really liked it, is that it should be really easy and should not require a great deal of motivation to participate in things like this. I've been reading and thinking about habit formation a lot. And if you have to wake up earlier than you would ever want to in order to go to the gym and you have to drive across town, you're like, how often are you going to go to the gym? Like not that often. Um, But if your data is in the same place and it's like, hit this button and an API will connect it and make everything pretty seamless. And the UX that we're all spoiled by at this point, I think that's really a big component of scaling. Yeah. That's a good reason why designers and software has a huge role to play more than just the hardware elements of carbon removal. Definitely. Definitely. And I think yeah, if you ever want to check it out, fog behavior model, I've been reading about that. It's pretty interesting. Oh, what's uh, that? Talks about, talks about, you know, the motivation and ability. So hmm. if you have low ability, like you don't have the skill sets, you're going to have to take a lot of motivation in order to do something. For example, I think we've already talked about it. You talked about it from the gym standpoint. But in addition to that, you also need a prompt. 
So you probably need to lay your clothes out in your case, Ross, put that before you go to bed every night, you should lay your clothes. Let's not out. make it personal. Okay. Yeah. Man, with your shoes. More general than that. <laughs> that like prompts you. Oh yeah. I need to go to the gym. So <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Okay. I'll go to the gym. Dave. Are we, are we, are we going to start a fitness challenge, Ross? Is that also what we're doing on this podcast? Yeah. I think that's going to be a part of this. We're going to do yeah. push up contests going on now. <laughs> Digital arm wrestling. Yeah. Digital arm wrestling. The Zoom digital arm wrestling. It's like the worst startup pitch ever. <laughs> There's like those like gloves where you can like hug someone like far away and then just using. Them oh for... yeah. Surely that's gonna happen. I don't even think we're that far away from that future. You I don't know if I want to to see it, but it's coming. That's what the metaverse is for, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> well, if there are farmers who who want to participate with Bushel and or Nori. How can we how can we bring them into the loop here? We'll link it in the show notes for farmers that are interested in sharing their data with Nori to essentially make the enrollment process in Nori's carbon marketplace a little bit easier. So you'll be sharing your boundaries with Nori and some of your crop event data. I think more to come soon in terms of classifying tillage and cover crops, right, Dane? That's right. And then you'll be linked with one of our account managers, maybe Jada, to get you started on the Nori enrollment process and get you paid for some of the great practices that you're doing, like reduced till cover crops or increasing biodiversity. Yeah. And if you actually just go to nori.com and enroll, click enroll there, we can also get linked up with FarmWalks through that. But we are also very excited about the partnership with Bushel and seeing where it goes from here. So thanks for joining us, Dane. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. It's been a blast. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Links to everything we talked about are in the show notes, except for Jada's. I read a thing online and who knows if it's true or not, but I saw it. (laughs) It was on NPR. (laughs) I was on NPR. Okay, sorry to pick on you, Jada. (laughs) If you can give us a great rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it helps us a lot. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Thank you so much for listening. If you could please subscribe and give us a great rating and review on Apple Podcasts or a rating on Spotify, that'd be much appreciated. It helps us get our content out to more people. You can sign up for our newsletter at nori.com, follow us on social media, and we will catch you next time.